all voices depicted on the answering machine, celebrity or otherwise, are of a fictitious manner, and do not represent the views or attitudes of actual persons, living or dead. We're sorry. The person you are trying to reach is not available. Please leave your message after the beep. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Answering Machine. I'm Don Takano. For those of you who are wondering about this podcast, let me explain. I've spent the last few years collecting and uncovering answering machine tapes from different parts of the country that were recorded over the last 30 or so years. Each episode will present the story of a man or woman as told by these answering machine tapes. And so we begin the first episode with the story of Jeff Downey. Jeff Downey was like most young adults. He aspired to be a rock star while living a normal, young man's life in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Working a job while juggling a girlfriend, obligations to friends and family, and a commitment to making music with his punk rock band, Pokey. On the morning of March 8, 1992, neither Jeff nor his roommate, Kevin, were around to answer the phone when a phone call was placed at his residence from a co-worker at Moose Olini's Pizza, which at the time was a popular pizza establishment chain in the early 1990s. The name spelled M-O-O-S-E-O-L-I-N-I and was better known for having a mascot named Benny the Moose, who was a talking moose that was rumored to have been voiced by the actor Joe Pesci. Now we go to that fateful phone call. New message. March 8, 19... 92 at 7 45 a.m. Hey Jeff, it's Tommy and Rosalini's. Uh, I know you did the closing shift last night and I was driving to work and I saw these fire trucks. Turns out the restaurant closed down. Yeah, you know, the whole place smelled like burned cheese and safety inspector guys. Like, oh, somebody might have looked you up at all overnight. All I could think about was the time that you were smoking in the ladies' room. thought Janet was going to come in, so you ditch a cigarette and a tampon bin, the whole thing caught on fire. So, I don't know. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking maybe you guys could, like, throw a show here, get pokey down, get, uh, you know, maybe it could be, like, a new punk hangout or something. I don't know. But you could think about it. Well, I gotta run, look for a job. I'll talk to you later, dude. Bye. Jeff's roommate, Kevin, who was out that morning, was also looking for him. Although, to be fair, it wasn't fire-related. New message. March 8, 1992, at 8, 12 a.m. Jeff, it's Kevin. I didn't see you this morning. I'm at work right now. Look, uh, last night I was trying to play my Sega Genesis, and it wasn't working. The screen kept glitching. I I figured since you play Altered Beast a lot, you might have spilled beer on it. I, I'm not saying you did, but you spilled beer on the VCR that one time, and it, it ruined my copy of Playboy's Playmate Video Calendar 1988. Those, those videos are expensive, and they just don't grow on trees. Just, uh, we'll talk about it later. I'm hoping to play some Echo the Dolphin when I get home. Ever play that game? 
It's fucking awesome. All right, later. Frances Downey hadn't heard from her son Jeff in a while. Considering that Jeff had moved out a few months prior, he hadn't spoken to his mother as regularly as he could. Obviously, any mother would be concerned at this point. New message. March 8, 1992 at 11.14 a.m. Jeff, it's your mother. I, I know we haven't spoken since you moved out. I'm just worried that you're homeless. You certainly dress homeless with those rips in your blue jeans and on your shirts. I watch a lot of TV, and I keep seeing shows about kids getting involved in, in heroin. I'm not saying you're doing heroin, but look, just call me. I'm also concerned, you know, you're not asking me for money. I know you're working at the pizza place, but... If you're spending your money on, on heroin, I can give you money, not for heroin, but for some decent clothes. If you ever need to come home, you have the key, unless you sold it for heroin. I mean, I have no idea what is going on with you. You probably sold the housekeeper a fix, so whoever bought it can rob me blind. Is that what you did? Just give me a call back. I love you. Most young men enjoy watching popular movies of their time, and Jeff Downey was no exception. He seemed to really love movies, so much, in fact, that he would often neglect to return these certain movies to the town video store, known at the time as Video Shack. New message. March 8, 1992, at 408. Hey, I'm calling for Jeff Downey. This is Richard at Video Shack. I'm calling to let you know that you had rented four home videos approximately four days ago, and I was calling to see if you would be returning them by 10 p.m. tonight, which is our closing time. Just to refresh your memory, here are the home videos you had rented, and again, I expect them to be returned on time tonight. It's I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren, Talking Dirty After Dark with Martin Lawrence, Necessary Roughness with Scott Bakula and Sinbad, and uh, finally, uh, Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth. Please return these movies as they generally fall under the new releases and are all two days late. Again, this is Richard. I'm the manager of Video Shack. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye. Jeff's girlfriend, Jennifer, was among the many people searching for him on those fateful days. One would think, since they were together at the time, that she would be the one to know of his whereabouts. But even she had no idea where he was, or what he was up to. New message. March 8, 1992, at 6, 17 p.m. Jeff, it's me, Jennifer. I hope you're not mad at me about the other night. It's just, I thought we should spend some time apart. I know you don't want to break up with me, but I don't know. We've been together for six months now. I mean, is it gonna be six more months of making out to your screeching weasel mixtape? That's all we listen to when we make out. I suggested we listen to Soundgarden and you go off on me about how they're terrible. Soundgarden are not terrible. 
I tell you what, what if we made out to your band, your band's music, just made out to that? Why don't we do that? I'll tell you why not. Because your band sucks. Why don't you try doing something original for once and stop trying to sound like Operation Ivy? Operation Ivy are a fucking joke, okay? And you know what else is a joke? Your band's name. <laughs> Pokey? Give me a break. That is the dumbest band name ever. You named your band after the horse on Gumby. You don't think that you'll get, like, sued or forced to change the band's name? And that song you wrote about me. You think it's going to be the next great punk song? Even the title, She's a Punk. I'm not a punk. I listen to the music, but that doesn't make me a punk. I mean, I listen to two live crew, but that doesn't make me want to move to Miami and go have sex with a bunch of black guys. Call me back. At the time of these answering machine messages, Jeff Downey was, like millions of others, a subscriber to the Columbia House Record Club. It turns out that during these fateful days, a customer service representative of Columbia House was attempting to contact Jeff in regards to a certain nasty letter he sent to the company. New message. March 9th, 1992 at 9.16 a.m. Hi, I'm calling for Jeff Downey. This is Myra calling from the Columbia House Record Club. It appears that we have received a rather frightening letter from you in regards to a cassette tape we sent you recently. This was EMF Schubert Dip. Now, this letter you sent to our organization contains some rather threatening and nasty language. In the letter, you specifically questioned why we would send you an album that you did not order. You have to realize that this is our company policy. If a member does not fulfill the club agreement of purchasing one album at retail price through the club, we send an album that we feel best matches the particular genre of music that that member has ordered the six complimentary cassette tapes of. We felt that EMF matched the other organizations whose music you'd ordered. These include, let's see, the Pixies, the, uh, well, the Sex Pistols, Depeche Mode, and the Beastie Boys. Now, based on the threatening nature of your letter, we here at Columbia House Record Club have no alternative choice but to seek legal counsel. At this time, we also ask that you please return the cassette tape copy of EMF Schubert Dip to our shipping facilities as soon as you can. Again, my name is Myra with the Columbia House Record Club, and a legal representative of our organization will be contacting you shortly. Meanwhile, Jeff's bandmate, Neil, who was the drummer, appeared to be looking for him as well during his much-questioned absence, although the urgency of the matter seemed completely non-existent based on the subject matter of this particular call. New message. March 9th, 1992 at 3.01 p.m. Jeff, dude, it's Neil. We haven't had practice in over a week. I was calling to see if everything was all right, you know. I mean, our last gig, a lot of people didn't show up, but, you know, there was, like, a, a 76ers game at the bar, and, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, just calling to, to see what you're up to, man. Uh, oh, by the way, I was uh, at my grandmother's funeral the other day, 
and I tried to put Grouchy glasses on her and take a photo of her for the next album cover like we wanted to. But right when I was going to do it, my dad saw me and he ended up beating the shit out of me. So, like, I think we're going to need, like, another idea for the next album cover. All right, dude, get back to me. Bye. It remains a mystery as to the physique of Jeff Downey. However, during this time of his absence, local fitness instructor Frank Atlas would express some concern as to the state of Jeff's health and well-being. New message. March 10th, 1992 at 11.14 a.m. Hey, I'm calling for uh, Jeff Downey. This is uh, Frank Atlas over at the fitness center. Anyway, Jeff, you uh, signed up for a gym membership a couple of months back, and I uh, haven't seen you since then. I remember you saying you wanted to look like Jean-Claude Van Damme and uh, pick up hot chicks. Well, let me tell you, you ain't picking up no Baywatch babes by uh, not coming to work out. Just reminding you, Jeff, you do have a membership here at the fitness center. I can be your personal trainer. I made you a mixtape. So you can do uh, squats and uh, bicep curls and uh, bench presses. You may not like CNC Music Factory or uh, Technotronic, but those kind of tunes are going to get you in the right mindset to uh, work on your body and uh, get those uh, Baywatch babes knocking on your door instead of the pizza guy knocking on your door. Give me a call at the fitness center. This is your buddy Frank Atlas. We're going to have some fun. I look forward. Like many young people of his time who had a fascination with punk rock music, Jeff Downey was a regular subscriber to a mail-order catalog known as Angry, Young, and Poor. Jeff would regularly order clothing, cassette tapes, vinyl, and other accessories that were popular among youth who identified themselves as punks. On this particular day, Jeff was not around to receive a phone call from the Angry, Young, and Poor catalog company, who were at this time kindly offering him discounts and other promotional items due to Jeff's customer relationship with their company. New message. March 10th, 1992 at 2.01 p.m. Hello, I'm calling for Jeff Downey. I'm with Angry Young and Poor. It appears that according to our records, you are a valued customer of ours, and it looks like you've upgraded yourself to the Silver Mohawk status. Due to the amount spent with our company over the years, you can enjoy many perks and discounts as a Silver Mohawk member. We'll be mailing to you, free of charge, unexploited, punks not dead, backpatch. And if you already have 10, as a Silver Mohawk member, you can trade them for an Amoebics full backpatch. In addition, you'll be receiving several buttons, free of charge ranging from the Crafts logo to one of Gigi Allen masturbating on stage. It's, it's one of our most popular items, actually. As a Silver Mohawk member, we're offering several rare punk-related items, such as the Strawberry Mad Dog 2020 bottle that was autographed by Tim Armstrong of Operation Ivy, to a DOA t-shirt that Jello Biafra blew his nose with. Also, just a reminder, if you continue shopping with us here at Angry Young and Poor, you could upgrade the gold Mohawk status, even platinum Mohawk status. Well, we boast such illustrious members as Keith Forrest, Exene Cervenka, and Mike Ness from Social Distortion, or Social D. 
As a Platinum Mohawk member, we offer such rare items as the saxophone used during the recording sessions of X-Ray Spectre's Germ-Free Adolescence or Darby Crash's actual corpse. I'm not kidding. Platinum Mohawk members can take advantage of this rare punk artifact. Anyway, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us here at Angry, Young, and Poor. We value your business. And, uh, welcome to the Silver Mohawk Club. By this time, it appeared that Jeff still hadn't returned his video rentals. This didn't please the manager of Video Shack, who had contacted him just days earlier. New message. March 10th, 1992, at 8.14 p.m. I'm calling for Jeff Downey. Again, this is Richard at Video Shack. Look, sir, you have a problem. The movies you rented are over two days late, and these are typically new releases. I don't know if you know video store terminology, but new releases have a short return window due to the public demand of wanting to watch these types of movies. You may not think or appreciate the fact that maybe one or five other people in this town want to watch Talking Dirty After Dark starring Martin Lawrence, or I Come in Peace, but we enforce strict return policies to keep all of our members happy. If we don't receive the four movies you've rented by 10 p.m. tonight, I, as the manager of this establishment, have no other choice but to terminate your membership here at Video Shack. I feel that you have not been respectful to other members by holding on to the new releases you've rented. I don't think a Brian Bosworth action movie is worth losing your membership over personally, but if we don't receive that necessary roughness, talking very after dark, and I come in peace by 10 p.m. tonight, you won't be able to rent any movies. I've seen you come in the store with your spiky hair and your cut-off cargo shorts and your naked ray gun t-shirt. Don't you think I don't know who naked ray gun are? I listen to those bands, too, and you pop closer kids think you're so cool by being so rebellious. Well, rebellion is about to kick you in the fucking nuts, my friend. I expect those movies to be back here tonight by 10 p.m. or else. Maybe it was a good thing that Jeff Downey wasn't around to pick up the phone during that time. Another person called him the next day, this time a legal representative of the Columbia House Record Club. New message. March 11th, 1992, at 9.44 a.m. I'm calling for Jeff Downey. My name is Harold Beeman. I am an attorney representing the Columbia House Record Club. This is in regards to a rather nasty and threatening letter we have received on your behalf pertaining to a cassette tape entitled Schubert Dip, sent to your home address in Pennsylvania. While I do admit that Columbia House does receive letters as yours on a daily basis, none of those letters are as vulgar and suggestive as the one you sent. And if you detail how the band met are a bunch of, quote, faggots, unquote, and how you're going to find out whoever shipped this cassette to you is, and then how you are going to unspool the magnetic tape from the cassette and strangle that person. And then you go on to say how you are going to have sex with that person's mother in front of that person's father. You may not realize how dehumanizing this letter is, but we here at Columbia House have no other alternative but to take legal action. You'll be receiving a summons very shortly, and I suggest you start looking for an attorney. Again, I'm Harold Beeman, and I will be seeing you soon. If Jeff Downey thought his life couldn't get any worse, he would have no choice but to think again. As the CEO of the famed yet short-lived Moose Alini's Pizza Chain, 
Arnold Brunetti rarely reached out to his thousands of employees across the tri-state area. But in the instance of his restaurant burning to the ground, this rather concerned him, to say the least. New message. March 11th, 1992 at 1.16 p.m. Hey, what's going on over here? This is Benny the Moose from Moose Salini Pizza. We got the hottest pizza meals in town. Sophia Moly Bapangul. Try our delicious pepperoni. Hey, I'm calling for uh, Chuck Downey. Uh, this is Arnold Brunetti. I'm the CEO of Mussolini's Pizza. Uh, the most popular pizza chain in the tri-state area. Um, so uh, I'm understanding through some uh, high-tech detective work that Jeff is responsible for the burning down of our uh, Harrisburg location, which is the second most popular location. If I didn't mention all that, we are the biggest pizza chain in the tri-state area. If you try to take that title away, you little shit, I will come to your fucking house and burn your fucking house down. I went there to be the court. I know that I'll be able to sue you for your fucking home, Joe. So I'm going to burn your fucking house. I'm going to burn your fucking house. I'm going to kiss your mother on the mouth first. Then I'm going to burn your fucking house down. Then I'll find you and break your fucking legs. I'm going to break your fucking legs and start with your pinky toes and go on and to your thighs. And don't don't forget, I'm gonna use those meatballs too. I'm gonna really put in my fucking way. You understand that? I'm gonna burn your fucking ass down, and then I'm gonna leave some dough in the house where I burn too. So when the police get the police, go to your fucking house, throw get the throw get the fucking remains, then I'll get a little bit of piece of crust, and then I'll know it's from me, and then I'll get them coming, because they know I wouldn't do that shit if I was my goddamn face. I'm fucking bullshit, you little shit. You little dope. While it still remained a mystery as to where Jeff was during this period of time, his girlfriend Jennifer still did not know his whereabouts. Concerned, it seems she tried to reach out to him one last time. New message. March 12, 1992. At 1.15 a.m. Jeff, it's Jennifer. Sorry if I'm calling so late. Listen, I'm sorry about the other night. I've been so stressed out with school and my job lately. I just... I didn't mean to take it out on you. I miss going to the train tracks and drinking malt liquor and making out and throwing rocks at the oncoming trains and then jumping out of the way when the rocks bounce off and come flying back real fast. I kind of took it personal a week ago when you said that paleontology is stupid. You know that's what I want to do with my life. If you're up, call me, please. It had been months since Jeff's mother had heard from him. So it should be no surprise that instead of Jeff contacting her, other people interested in his whereabouts would be contacting him as well. And this did not go well with Jeff's mother. New message. March 12, 1992 at 9.22 a.m. Jeff, are you there? It's your mother again. 
Listen, I keep receiving phone calls from two different men, one of whom says he's going to sue you for threatening to have sex with his mother. What would you do? Why would you do such a thing? What if one of your friends had sex with me? You would like it, would you? Is everything okay? I got another call from a rather angry man who said he's the CEO of Mussolini's Pizza. He said he's going to burn our house down. What the hell is going on, Jeff? Did you get in with the mob? Do you owe money for drugs? Is that why they're coming to burn my house down? I want a straight answer out of you, young man. I've seen these types of films. When people get in with the mob, they end up getting killed. Please tell me this is nothing to worry about and everything is fine because I'm scared for my life. Jeff, call me back. This concludes the first episode of The Answering Machine. This episode was written, produced, and recorded by me, Don Takano. I would like to thank everyone who participated in this week's episode. Starring in alphabetical order, Brett Davis portrayed Tommy, the co-worker at Mussolini's Pizza. Josh Fadum portrayed Arnold Brunetti, the CEO of Mussolini's Pizza. Nick Flanagan portrayed the angry young and poor catalog representative. Naomi Rohatton portrayed Jennifer, Jeff's girlfriend. Dave Ross portrayed Richard, the manager at Video Shack. Morgan Russell portrayed Jeff's mother. Travis Rust portrayed Neil, Jeff's bandmate. Andy Sell portrayed Kevin, Jeff's roommate. Paige Weldon portrayed Myra, the Columbia House Record Club customer service rep. Alan Strickland-Williams portrayed Howard, the attorney representing the Columbia House Record Club. And finally, yours truly, Don Ticano, portrayed Frank Atlas, the fitness instructor, as well as Benny the Moose, the mascot for Mussolini's Pizza. Be sure to send any questions, feedback, or donations to the Answering Machine Podcast at gmail.com. That's one word, the Answering Machine Podcast at gmail.com. We will be back next week with another exciting new episode. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.